What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Just the start of another week. Uh, first full week after I had a short week last week because we went on vacation up to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Yeah, dude, that looked awesome. I was, um, I guess, well, first I, w- I want to say I'm just real proud of you. Like um, some of the stuff that we talk behind the scenes on and then, you know, you got you're looking at getting into hunting. I actually sent out a couple emails today. Uh, to some guys down in Louisiana to see if they can help us out there. But I've also got another idea too. If that doesn't work out, um, George has got some farms that need some does cold on. So it might be cool just to bring you up here and hang out and train for a day or two. If, if you can't find something closer in Louisiana, but on those kind of hunts, it's, uh, it's a really, it's a really fun opportunity because it's, it's kind of a different experience, but it's, it's good. Cause a lot of people will be around a lot of good people. So I think you'd like that a lot. And I would, I'd make sure that you were taken care of on that as far as, um, you know, getting you a plane ticket or whatever. I think it'd be awesome to have you in Kentucky if that works out, if Louisiana doesn't. Yeah. I'm, and like I said, I'm really excited about, um, getting a first hunt in and, um, but through through this whole year i've just i've spent quite a bit of money getting things for the home gym taking vacations with the family just to get us out of the house yeah um, and things so it's a it's a it's a balancing process with with the funds available and the budget and making sure. everybody in my family happy well dude i think it's awesome too you know that's one of those things that i've seen you grow in as well because when we first started working together um you know, coach client kind of deal. That was something that you repeatedly talked about was like debt and getting yourself into a better financial situation and taking care of these things. And not that you were in a bad place, you just wanted to be responsible. And, you know, I was always encouraging you to, to do this or do that, but you've really just systematically gotten yourself into a position where you're able to do these things. You're able to take these trips and get your gym and whatever. And I mean, everybody, I face this stuff too. You know, there's always a knife that I would love to, to buy and not so much that I need another knife, but I love supporting artists, you know, and we just talked about the, uh, the mug that I had sent here from another artist, um, Heather at Wolf Brigade. She's the one that does the etching on the, the maces, you know, I'm looking to where I can help other people as much as satisfy those things, those collectibles or those things that I really enjoy, like hunting. Um, So I I applaud you for that because I can remember times, dude, not that long ago where I was going into a grocery store, (laughs) basically calculating the gas that I bought or the fast food that I just bought and trying to run a, a, you know, have a running tally of what my bank account looked like. So I knew exactly what I could buy without, you know, going over and dude, so many times, like I can remember, I think three times my credit card or my, my, uh, debit card declined. And, you know, I, I think about the places that I've been in my life and the things that I've gone through and seen in my life. And while yours haven't been the same, I know it's got to be a good feeling to be in a place where you're gaining momentum in the positive direction, right? Oh, definitely. And, and, you know, one thing I've noticed recently and, and thought about more as I tell people, no, I can't do this. No, I can't do that. I, I can't spend my money on that. I realized that, I always kind of felt pressured by people to uphold this. Yes, I do make this kind of money over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I make us, I make a enough money to support the family and the lifestyle we want to live. But at the same time, that's none of these other people's businesses business of, okay, it's only $50 for this. Yes. But what about the other five things that are just $50 that I've spent my money on already? Sure. So, so I think a lot of people get caught up in that, that trap of keeping up with people uh, and, you know, feeling that feeling that saying no to something or sticking within the budget makes them feel as though they aren't making enough money, but they are. You just have to have that plan. Yeah. Well, and you know, something interesting, I was talking to a guy, um, yesterday, actually he's an investor, you know, he invests in a lot of different businesses. He invests in, 
uh, just different different t- types of things. I guess he's a risk taker in and of his own right because he's always looking for He's a one-man shark tank, let's put it that way. And he's always looking for inventions. He's always looking for new ideas. And, you know, we were talking about my life and some of the, the trajectory that it's gone through and also that I've made more money than I'm making currently. Um, but it was at the, at the, you know, at the detriment of my life, like my health and my happiness, I made more money, but I was less happy. So trying to find that balance point of where you can do all the things that you want to do with some reservation. I think I've told you this before. I look at life as like three classes of achievement. You know, there's, there's the bottom where everybody has to start. You have to go to work, you have to have a boss and you're in this mode of, I have to do so much shit that I don't want to do to get to do a few things that I want to do. And then the opposite end of that spectrum is, you know, the person who has endless resources that can do any and everything that they want. I think for me, and I'm, there's grades and shades and hues there as well. But for me, I think there's a, there's a middle ground where you get to do just about every single thing that you want to do, but you still have to pay the man. You know, you still have to show up to work. You still have to do things. And I think you're very close to that level, you know, just by your responsibility and your discipline. I feel like I'm in that place too. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I look like I get to do and go and and move around like, yeah, that's awesome. But it's also at the same time, it's not always, um, me footing the bill. You know, I have clients when I go places and stuff, a lot of that gets paid by them. So it's not necessarily coming out of my pocket, but I'm going to work for them. So it, you know, you see what I'm saying? It's like, if you were to look at my life, it would look like, Oh my God, he's making so much money. He's doing this. He's doing that. He's doing this. He's doing that. A lot of my stuff just happens to be because of, of networking and situations where, you know, a client is sending me here or sending me there. And, it just works out. Um, I would rather have those experiences in a dollar in my pocket now. Yeah. And, and how frequently do these, you know, I look at you and how frequently do the trips you take have something attached to it where you have some kind of, uh, restraints on what you can do. Like, okay, you are going on this hunt. Yep. Um, but you're there for the hunt and you're there for these people. So, you might not just be able to walk out the door and, and explore and do whatever you want on that day. You're yeah. stuck with that. Dude, you don't have any idea. I mean, it, it used to drive me crazy. Like I would get a little bit angry about it and probably more of the mindset that I was in at the time. But, you know, my life was not in a good place. I was, I was all over the, the, the globe as far as like happiness and sadness and everything in between. But, you know, my family would look at me and they're like, well, he's going all these places. He's doing all these things. You're getting to see the world. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was, I was in places around the world, but many of my speaking engagements or coaching engagements, what they really dwindled down to was getting picked up at the airport, uh, either going straight to the hotel to drop my things off or going straight to the gym facility or the, the facility I was visiting hanging there with people, um, getting to know the atmosphere, getting to know the layout, just having a general conversation. Hey, let's go to dinner. Okay. And then let's go back to the hotel. So you could put me in New York city. I'll never forget it. I was in New York city, times square stayed right outside where the M and M, uh, logo or the M and M caricatures are on one of the buildings there. It's on a hotel. And I was saying right in the smack, smack middle of times square. I didn't even touch times square. I got picked up in valet and I got taken out of valet. You see what I'm saying? Like I was in New York city and I didn't even get to enjoy one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, and that's not me being bitter about it. It's just the reality that a lot of these people who are out there looking like they're doing all these things or looking like they're, they're visiting a lot of it's from the back of a taxi cab, you know, just driving around and getting a photo here, getting a photo there. I probably could have done a little better in regards of, of having more, focus time to myself, but you just live and learn, man. Like right now I am much more content to slow down and take a little bit more in, um, than just trying to get from A to Z as fast as I can. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And talking about slowing things down, uh, one of the places we went, 
uh, was creator of Diamond State Park in Arkansas. And if you've never been there, it's just like this giant open field uh, of dirt that they periodically till. And it's on top of a uh, just kind of like a, a diamond mine. Mm-hmm. And so they've got other minerals and things that are in the dirt and soil and every everything. And so people go out there. Um, some people spend like a week or two at a time going out every day, which seems a little excessive to me to sit in the open sun digging in dirt. Uh, but the three and a half hours we were there, my wife and I really enjoyed ourselves and we thought we thought Jules would really enjoy it, too. However, she decided she was bored of sitting and digging in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it was just something uh, my, my wife was surprised with herself that she kind of found it very cathartic to just sit in the open air, mm-hmm. not worry about any kind of electronics, Netflix, you know, answering clients' questions, having to cut hair in the chair. Um and it was just very peaceful. And then the next day we went to hot springs and, and did, uh, a hike and it was only like a three and a half, four mile hike. Yeah. Uh, but it was Jules's first hike. We didn't have any special hiking gear or anything. Um, but the pitch was very like the, the pitch of, of the trail we went on was pretty steep. And uh, I was kind of like, man, if, if I had to go for another five, 10 miles, I probably would be taxed. Right. Um, but like Jules, after, I don't know, five or eight minutes, she's like, going, huh, huh, oh, man, <laughs> I need some water. And it, it was just so it was so different from what we've experienced uh, or I've experienced as a father in the last six and a half years with my family. Mm-hmm. So, well, I wanted know, to add, just, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to ask you about that because, you know, from the outside looking in, you show a lot of your trajectory as far as where you've been in the last 10, five, three, two, one years, you know, you've, you've constantly progressed yourself. I'm curious as to how your family feels about, the person you are now versus who you've been in your life. And what, what do you feel about that? Oh, so my immediate family, uh, my, my wife and daughter, my daughter, I don't think she's old enough to really comprehend, but throughout the, the time of sitting at home uh, or being at home more, uh, the last seven months, you know, she's more vocal with drawing things and writing notes for me. I've got one that she wrote the other day that says, dad, you are awesome. Dad. I, I love you. I would, uh, I want you to have an awesome day. And so the more frequently those have been coming in, I'm realizing she's getting to, you know, connecting emotionally more with me as a father, Mm -hmm. um, as her father. And, so, so that's fun. And my wife notices, you know, not just my, my physical changes, um, but being there, listening more. So she enjoys that a whole lot. Then my parents, you know, my, my dad came out the, the other day and he always surprises me because it'll just be a random, a random post that, I think kind of falls in line with most of my posts about, uh, Oh, this is what I did today in the gym and et cetera, et cetera. And then randomly my dad will come out and say, son, I'm really proud of the man you've become. So just getting that feedback from the family, I think they're very accepting. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife pointed out the other night, and it's something I've got to come back on is, you know, I, I, I was doing myself reflection recently, you know, with the past few months and saying, it seems that I may be, um, too soft when parenting jewels as opposed, you know, with, in regards to, I'll hear her out. I'll, I'll go over there and if she hurts herself and, how do I respond to that? And my wife said, I think you've gone 
you've, you've gone the harder direction just a little too much. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're too stern with her and it, 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 you know, maybe step back a little more. And so, you know, it, the feedback is good. Cause sure. you know, I, I always struggled with, okay, am I going to be more coddling and nurturing, which is very important as well as fathers to, to show that side. Yeah. And on the other side, it's, you have to have that counterbalance of the nurturing, which they get a lot from the mother figures in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's something that, that I wrestle with too. Um, I think in my nature, obviously for myself, it's very, very easy for me to just put the blinders on, put my, like I can push myself so hard that I will literally self-destruct. You know, I will, I will become, I mean, just sitting out here shooting my bow, um, dude, that can be a very, very cathartic meditative thing, or it can very, very quickly turn into this like self you know, degradation of you can't hold it together. You can't hold your aim. You're doing this. You're doing that. Like focus, focus, focus. And I can be very hard on myself. So I've balanced those two emotions with, with my son is like, I never, ever want to be the father that cuts him off when he's trying to explain himself. You know, I think that got me into a lot of situations, not, not to my parents' fault. They were extremely young. They're incredible people. Um, I think I was kind of a baptism by fire as far as the way that I lived my life as a teenager and whatnot. Um, they just weren't ready for that, that rebellion and all that. So I think that my inability to communicate or to be heard stunted my ability to talk to them in a way that was important and it was valuable and it was healing when I was a kid, you know, like uh, there was no way in my mind that if I was at a party in, in high school and a kid was drinking and hell, I was supposed to ride with that kid. There was no way that I was going to call my parents because the, the trouble that I would have been in going home, having been in a party where there was alcohol was more consequential to me in my head than getting in a car with someone who'd been drinking and underage, you know, and I never, ever wanted my son to feel like that phone call was something he couldn't make. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm just like you, man. I tiptoe through it all the time because we're, we're kind of in a stage right now where he's made some statements as, you know, I want to focus on football. I want to be better at football, blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to get him to have his actions meet his words. You know, I want to focus on this. I want to be good at this. I'd love to play college football. Okay. That's great. But what are you doing? to do that. So he's been running, um, Andy for 75 hard program. I think it's a great thing for kids to just have some implemented discipline there that dad didn't write down, you know? And, yeah. um, he's been doing really well with that. And I will say that on the physical front, like on the side of toughness, when it comes to whether it's working in the yard or training in the gym, I'm a little bit more of that firm, uh, you know, the firm hand, so to say, as far as I'm going to push him, I'm going to encourage him and I'm not going to let him slack. Um, he doesn't get water when we're working outside till I get water. You know, that's, that, that's the kind of thing, because if, if I let him take every break he wants, I'm doing all the work. So, you know, I try to do those kind of things where I have an authority in his mind, as far as the gym or, or working outside or whatever that is, I really try to be the leader type with a firm hand, um, lots of information, lots of feedback. But when it comes to the the parenting side or the emotional side or the, the bullshit that kids deal with at school, the drama and all that crap, I'm very much that softer nurturing side. And as far as like his discipline goes, he's always a part of the conversation of his discipline. Like he's a gamer and he's very, very good at it. And I support that. You know, I, I've, I'm very highly supportive of his gaming because he's very interested in coding. Um, he, that's what he wants to do when he grows up. So it's like, why would I take him away from something that ignites his passion further? But that will override a lot of other things too, you know? So when the homework starts to slip or a grade slips, or maybe he's getting a little grouchy in the mornings, sit down at the table, 
have that conversation about what's impacting his day, what's making his mood worse, what's making his grades worse. Nine times out of 10, he knows the answer is video games, right? So I let him decide his punishment. I let him talk himself into understanding that when he plays more video games, these other things suffer. So it's never like a full blown removal, you know, like, Hey, we're going to take video games away forever. I just think that makes your kids mad at you and it makes them sneak and want to do that more. I just give him parameters, tighter parameters. Like you got to show, you got to show that your homework is done before you can turn it on. Or you've got to have your, you can play from the time that you get home from practice until dinner. And then from dinner till bed, you've got to be focused on homework, that kind of stuff, you know, and it just feels much more like he's a part of the conversation. Like he's a part of the equation of, what really goes on in the real world. Like if he has, I've told him if he has a boss where he goes to him and offers up some, some critique of the way the process is done or ask for clarity on a situation. And that boss just tells him to shut up and get back to work. That's not the kind of boss you want to work for. Um, I am trying to instill in him the ability to communicate his feelings, to communicate his problems, but, but also to communicate as an adult and, and somewhat professionally so that when he gets in these situations or he's in a job and communication is paramount, he's going to be equipped with those skills rather than because I said so. That was the one thing that my dad said that I just wanted to come unglued when he would say that stuff, because it's like, I don't give a fuck why you, if you say so, like, just tell me why you say so. And, um, I don't know. I like, I, I fault my dad a lot. Um, or I have in my head, but I also look at the the things that my dad has taught me through that, that have helped me out in this life. You know, my dad's ultimate statement was you've got to be tough and you got to be ready for whatever's next. And I think he's done that, but our relationship now is significantly heavier on the emotional connection side. Whereas there's no reprimand, there's no discipline stuff. He just, he treats me like another person now. Um, I'm trying to do a little bit better of doing that sooner with my son so that maybe he doesn't go through some of the bullshit that I went through at my own hand uh, because he knows that there's an outlet where he can call. He knows there's help on the other end of the line. And my dad would have helped me. I just didn't know that. Yeah. And I, I hear, you know, I, I've heard you talk about how you uh, work with, with your son on, to um, picking out proper, you know, reprimands and, and disciplines. And so I try to think, um, obviously my daughter's at a, a different age level sure. um, than your son is. So, it, it, and the gender difference, um, you can't, you can't really be as hard on daughters as you can on sons in, in, in my mind anyway. Sure. Um, and so one of the things, you know, I, I take what you do and I try to go, okay, can this apply here? And at this age, can it apply? And so one of the, one of the things I have difficulty with, um, is my daughter, she seems to me, it seems like she just gives up too soon. Mm -hmm. I know she has the ability to do some things, but at the first sign of resistance, it seems that she'll give up. Like we've been trying to work with her on um, gymnastics and cause she's, she goes to gymnastics class since the beginning of March. And um, so she's trying to test out of that first, uh, that first level class. And she's almost there. She's the, the her first evaluation I think they need like 37 or 38 stars to move on to the next one. So the first evaluation a few months ago, she had 17 mm. last week and last week she had 33. So a significant improvement, which was awesome. Sure. And I think a lot of that has come. Um, and I, and I, I take that extreme ownership on myself for not getting her, even though I was, I've been physically active long before I was a father I haven't it's kind of been something out of sight that I've done because it was at the gym mm -hmm. and she just knows daddy's big and strong she doesn't know how daddy is big and strong 
Right. And so since March and, and doing home workouts and things, she's seen me be more physical on a constant basis. So I think it's given her a little more, you know, upwards looking um, inspiration and something to model after. And yeah. I love seeing the videos of her watching you like, you know, even when you competed, like, let's go daddy, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think that lays a foundation. It's kind of like cement, you know, you can't really use that information just yet, but you're laying the foundation for it. You've poured it and you, you've shown her the work you've shown her your success and your progression. She just doesn't understand what all that means probably yet. But when it clicks, she will be able to immediately look back and be like, oh, my daddy did these things. Doom, boom, 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 boom. He lost weight. He got stronger. He, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's there. She just doesn't have her head wrapped around the how and the why yet. Right. And, and she's really, she, the last six and a half years, she's really gotten attached to watching a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. And to the point where if I if I decide that and I rarely do this is I rarely go and turn the TV on and put something on for me when she's around. Um, but when I do and I instruct her that you're not going to go in the other room, you have toys, you have art supplies in this room. And I want you I want you to be out here and do entertain yourself. And I'm going to put something on that I want to watch because I have a desire to watch something at this moment. And she, you know, sometimes just like the other day, she actually kind of broke down and started crying. Like, why don't I get to watch what I want to watch? At which point I had story time where said when I was a kid, there was only one TV in the house and me and my siblings didn't dare ask can we put what we want to watch on the TV? Yeah. <laughs> if, if mom and dad were home and they were sitting in that room, it was, if you wanted to watch TV, then you could watch the programming that they had on. Yeah. We didn't have, when did you get cable? How old were you when you got cable or satellite or did you guys always have it? Were you, were you the rich kids and always had it? Oh no, 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 no. We weren't. I think, I think there was, so there were a few years where we had it and then we got rid of it again. Yeah. And then in high school I had it for a few years and I remember this because I was watching, um, I was watching Dragon Ball Z as it was airing new episodes in, in high school. And then my parents were like, all right, well, we're going to cut cable because we want to spend money on something else. And the show hadn't ended yet. And then for the next few months of the year, all my friends that were watching it, they got to continue watching it and talked about it. And I'm just sitting here. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I don't think I had, let's see. I want to be, I want to be honest about it because I'm trying to remember when we got cable. Um, yeah, we were pretty much a four channel. And then I think that evolved to a fifth channel. Um, when Fox came around, it was ABS, CBS, NBC, PBS, and then Fox got picked up by, you know, around here. And, uh, anyhow, we had that for at least till I was 11 or 12. And then I remember getting dish network at 13 after cable. So yeah, I had, I had a lot of restrictions though on that shit when I was a kid. I mean, MTV was off limits. Um, there was, there were several channels that my parents just blocked because they thought it was garbage or whatever, but I don't know, man, it's a, uh, it's a different world and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to navigate it. Cause obviously I'm a pretty happy guy at 38 years old now, but there was a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs in the middle there. And I don't know if you can really course correct a child to live a, a perfect life. Cause you know, let's say she goes through life and you equip her with all the things to where she doesn't feel pain or she doesn't feel hardship or she doesn't feel, um, hurt, you know, like things aren't hard for her. Well, that's, that's a good thing now, but I think it really stunts 
the child later on. Whereas I think if you have somebody like me who goes through a lot of dumb shit and figures it out, that can have, that can have dividends at the end. I just wonder where that balance point is to where you can have somebody who's like, yeah, they probably skipped some class or drank some beers in high school, but they never got in trouble. They never hurt anybody. They never did it. You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you go about raising a well-adjusted adult? (laughs) Or do you just think that's a myth that people bash each other over the head with? (laughs) Well, as a, as a father now, you know, or as, as a kid being raised by parents, I always thought, man, once I'm a father, I'm not going to do this, this, or this. And once you get into adulthood and, and, and parenthood, you you quickly realize that one, your parents didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah. Two, <laughs> and two, as an as an adult now, you you see why they made the choices that they did and how important some of them are. And I I just thought about this as you were talking um, in in relaying that you grew up having a lot of hardship and and doing dumb shit and figuring it out as you went along. Uh, You can almost relay that to the the meme and, and, the, and the thing that's being shared a whole lot right now that good times create bad men, bad men create bad times, bad times create good men. That uh, I think I said that correctly, the kind of cycle where good men come about because of hard times. Oh yeah. 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 And, what is it? Good time or hard times make strong men. Soft times make weak men or something like that. I know what you're saying. Yeah. 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 So I think that goes along with generations of parents and kids. Um, Cause you, you may have done a, a whole lot of stupid things and, and learned from mistakes. And then as you're raising your son, you tell him, Hey, don't do this. And, you know, it's like, if you hit, if, if, if you're hammering, a nail into a board and you hit your thumb with the hammer at some point, then you're teaching your son how to hammer and you're like, Hey, don't hit your thumb because that shit hurts. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're being a, a helicopter parent watching him as he's hammering and then correcting him right before he does something where he's going to hit his thumb, he's never actually going to learn that. Yeah. Until later in life when he does it and then he looks around and goes, there's nobody, there's nobody here for me to tell that that hurt. And so it's going to be like a, an experience. He's going to have to experience all by himself, which might may or may not have some other, you know, mental repercussions. Cause as a child, if you did it and your dad was around, but he let you do it, you, you, he'd come up and go, Oh yeah, you did hit your thumb. That kind of hurts, huh? It's like, yeah. It's like, let's try not to do that next time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, that's the thing too, is it's like pain is the the greatest teacher. Um, I mean, I I wish I'd have been a little better learner (laughs) about that, but you know, (laughs) pain, pain always held lessons, uh, for me. And you know, I think that there was a part of me that tried to defy it. Like, okay, this knocked me down. This hurt. This broke me. Well, I've got to go do that exact same thing again and not get broken, beat down or hurt. You know, that was my problem is I wanted to just put my head through the wall on every situation, every problem that I had. And, you know, I almost got to a point where when I wasn't in friction or chaos, I felt like I was coming apart because I thrived in that. You know, I could navigate those waters really well. When life got peaceful, when things got easier for me, I felt like I wasn't trying. I felt like I was an imposter. You know, like this life isn't supposed to be mine. I'm not supposed to be happy. I'm not supposed to feel like there's not someone, you know, I got to look over my shoulder about things I did or things I said or whatever. And it's weird how your mind almost wants to lull you back into that chaos, you know, um, 
because I did see a lot of high times in that. I did have a lot of success wrapped into that misery. So I don't know if I was chasing the misery and just accepting the, I mean, if I was chasing the success and accepting the misery, or if I was just miserable and was successful here and there, but man, I I just don't know what it would take to look at a child that doesn't know, you know, like don't touch that stove. What are they going to do immediately? Go touch the stove. I wish there was a, a lesson point to where you could like show them, not scare them away from doing it, but just give them the knowledge of what doing it is. You know, it's like my son, he is always a bit hesitant to squat because of what happened to me. Um, so we've done a lot of kettlebell stuff. We've done a lot of things where there's not a bar on his back. And that's a very real thing. You know, I, I, at first when he would say that stuff, I thought, man, this kid just doesn't have it. Like, why is he, why is he afraid? But can you imagine what he must be thinking and telling me that he's afraid of it? You know, like he watched me literally and figuratively break. So it's not just his knees that he's worried about, you know, and that's a conversation that was really hard to have. Um, but I told him, you know, it's like I said, on the end of that lesson, the the lesson of me falling and getting hurt and not being able to power lift the way that I did before the injury is the very same thing that got me to a place where he's a central focus in my life rather than powerlifting or my success or my drive, whatever, because I think there was a point in my, in my life. And I wonder if you're there sometimes too, where you think if I could just make this money, much money, things will be fine. If I could just pay this off, things will be fine. And what you end up doing is you end up paying that thing off or you end up making more money at the sacrifice of the things that really matter. Because I would tell myself, okay, he's going to be there. I'm doing this work for the next 10 years. He's going to be there in 10 years. So whatever he misses now, the payoff will be worth it for him too. Right. It never is. I guarantee you, your kid will never look at you and say, man, I'm glad you worked 40 more hours this month, dad, you know, and I didn't realize that for a long time. I didn't, uh, I don't know. I just believe the, the bullshit that we were sold that you have to have a bunch of money. You have to have a huge house. You have to have a brand new car. You have to have all these things. And the people that I like don't really fit that bill. You know, the people that I like are the ones that just, they don't care what they have. They're just, they're happy. And, um, I don't know. I don't even know what the hell I'm saying, but I just know that if you're out there, like you've been, or I've been, and you're just looking for some direction, the best thing that I ever did was started trusting my gut exactly for what I wanted to do, not doing anything else because someone else said so like looking at the person, what they said and analyzing it for myself. You know, does this make sense for me? Does this make sense for my life? Does this make sense for the efforts that I want to put in? Yada, yada, yada. I'm just rambling at this point. But I do think that we can learn a lot by watching other people, but we shouldn't try to emulate other people. I think it was, um, oh, it was Musashi, I think. He was like, no student of mine should ever strive to be me. He quiets his own voice when he does so. Something like that. And... I think that Musashi was content with the idea that people would pick up a sword because of him, but the mastery of the sword had to come from within. Yeah. Yeah. I just rambled for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, bro. I was, I'm all over no, the place. No, no. You, you, you just went from one thought to another just very organically. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on something that, that you mentioned there. Uh, you, you said something about, working well under pain, like always needing pain there as some dry kind of driving force. So Mm -hmm. I'll I'll take a step from that and not necessarily say pain. um, But a lot of people, I'll hear a lot of people say they or somebody they know works well under pressure. Mm -hmm. And if they're not under pressure, then they don't. And thinking of that, I don't necessarily think it's um, pressure. And I think it's everybody. If they're in a situation where they have some kind of 
goal. Like always have some type of goal to be working towards and have it not outside of the reach. Cause if it's, if it's too grand of a goal, mm-hmm. your first bump that you come across, you're going to be deflated and you're going to say, I'm not going to reach the top. But if you constantly have something to work towards, you're going to, I mean, overall continue to be more productive and not fall into kind of a, um, a state of boredom, uh, even though you, there's so much entertainment around. And um, I think if people tend to say, if I get through this project, then I'll have all this free time to be able to do something. And then once they have the free time, they're like, something feels off. I know I feel that way. If things sure. are going too smooth and there's not something looming above me, I, I look back and I say, there's got to be something hiding somewhere that I'm forgetting about. And I'm either forgetting about it or I haven't set the next marker. I haven't identified the next marker on the path I'm following. Yeah, That's when you tend to meander. Yeah. That's when I really get in trouble when I'm, when I'm bored, that's when I'm very, cause I, you know, I talk about it a lot, but I'm kind of like a <laughs> talk about it with the breeze. You know, I'm just like a missile. You point me at something and I'll get it done. Like I'll, I'll blow right through it. But a lot of times um, for me personally, you know, like I build the deck or, you know, rearrange the kitchen or whatever it is, like whatever the project is, I'm very focused and I'm very excited. But then as they take time or they, they start to, you know, every, every project has an issue, right? Every product has its slowdowns. Like I was waiting on some tin for the roof on my, my deck forever. And just kind of lost interest and burned out on that and started doing something else and finished that. And then I was sitting there just like waiting on the tin instead of doing something else. I just got madder and madder at that deck. Like fuck this thing. Like it's stupid. Can't even finish it, you know? And that's where I start to get frustrated is that I don't have an outlet for all my energy because I'm a, believe it or not, I'm a very energetic person. I always want to be going. I always want to be doing stuff. And when I'm creating and building things, that's when I'm my happiest. And when I don't have things to work on or build, man, I'm really, really not, not the best version of myself. And do you, do you feel any of that with your training? Like when you miss training, cause with all the hunting I've been doing, my training has definitely been like second or third on my list of priorities, even though I'm still getting it in. Um, it's hard and that's making me mad at myself right now. Like I'm mad at myself right now for, for where I'm at, even though, big picture I've progressed. I've not been as tight with my training in the last three to four weeks as I would like to be. So do you beat yourself up over those kind of things, like trying to do too much? Or do you just look at like, Hey, I didn't really black backslide that much. I've been doing something I love hunting. I've been working on other projects that kind of pay the bills. That's good. And then training is like, it just happens when it happens. And I go as hard as I can for as long as I can. But yeah, it um, it kind of depends because I really want to – I really try to hold myself accountable regardless of what goes on to meet my training. You know, five, five days a week minimum. Get out in the garage and do something. And there was that one day uh, a few weeks ago where, you know, I, I messaged you. And I was like, I need to talk to somebody because I feel like I feel like I quit my workout. And it was a workout that was the for that day, the weights I was using were too heavy. Mm-hmm. So it was very difficult to get the reps that were on the paper. And so it was taking too long for me to get through the workout because I was like, well, I need to add some extra rest time. Um, I had to take Jules to 
I had to meet the deadline or, or, or the time schedule to get her to her gymnastics class. And in the middle of all of that, she's not doing what I ask her. Mm-hmm. And then she starts crying and, and telling me that somebody at school was bullying her. And so then I'm like, all right, this is so much going on. I didn't end up finishing all of the workout. I did some of the workout. And then you and I had that conversation where it's like, dude, at the end of it, you just, you, you took over being a father. You, you, that, that was, you know, that was the last straw, not necessarily the last straw, but ultimately it ended up being your father, your fatherly duties overrode everything else at that time and that's nothing to be ashamed of oh hell and no. that's that's the ebb and flow and those were your words mm-hmm. and and that's the ebb and flow of life you know sometimes you know training is going to be what has the most focus on a on a given day but that doesn't mean it shouldn't be the days where something else in your family life or your personal life actually needs attention. Mm-hmm. So like if things are going good over here, then afford that extra attention and push towards your training and or hunting or, or archery practice or running or building things, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you know, that, that extra time, you always get to decide where it's going to go and you have to recognize and you, you helped me do that when it needs to apply to interpersonal issues, whether it be with your friends or your family. Yeah. Well, I just think, man, looking back, I miss Christmas dinners. I miss Thanksgivings, um, all that shit for the gym. And it wasn't just the gym. It was my, it was my training partners. And, you know, I really felt like I was building something there and I don't want to bash it. Like I admire that kind of dedication in people, but I could have trained earlier and still made dinner. You know what I mean? Like I still, I could have trained later on Thanksgiving and gone to Thanksgiving lunch. Um, I was just very like, I'll say now I was very selfish in that I wouldn't bend. And, you know, I'm sure looking back, I've never talked to my mom about it, but I'm sure she was sad when I wasn't at dinner. You know, it's a family dinner, like a very special family dinner. And I just chose other things and other people. But, um, you know, looking back, I don't know how much training effect I would have lost if I had gone to those things. Cause I probably needed the break anyway. I definitely needed to see my family. So I always encourage people like, if you, if this is your peripheral, like this is your hobby, even though you love it, even though you're dedicated to it, it's still not more important than having a meal with your child or tucking your kid into bed or, you know, any of those things. So I just tell people to try to find that point where, um, you know, they're not self-destructing through the, the love of things that they're doing. Um, but I don't know, man, it's, it's always going to be that, that, tipping point you want to sw- let's switch subjects real quick because i got to go get my son from school here in a minute but i want to talk to you about the hunting um like i said i'm proud of you for getting into that not like i don't want to put that weight on you to, to feel like you have to do it but i am proud of you for even thinking about it because i think it's important for for people especially on the heels of all this uncertainty to have some certainty in their life and being able to hunt being able to harvest an animal is something that I take very seriously and, you know, kind of gives me the ability to put my head down a little bit easier at night, knowing that I have a skill that can keep me and my family and friends alive. Um, what is the Genesis point for hunting for you? Is it, is it the sustainability aspect? Um, I don't think I've gone that far into thinking about it. Uh, mm-hmm. just kind of just the experience of it. And, you know, harvesting, harvesting the meat and having a freezer full of meat from an animal that I killed is, is at this point, just a bonus in my, in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so I just kind of view um, archery in, in itself as just something else that is a challenge to master. Mm-hmm. And one of the ultimate, um, apart from a, a competition, a, a target competition, one of the ultimate um, litmus tests for mastering the skill of archery is killing an animal. So it's kind of a, a goal for that. Have I achieved enough mastery in this skill to use it effectively to take down a, a live animal mm-hmm. and then of course use that animal to nourish m- me and my family for a few meals yeah dude i that's whether uh <laughs> whether you shoot anything or not that is something that i want uh very much to to do for you is to fix a backstrap for you um man we had some last night and that, you know, that's one of the things that people don't understand that don't hunt. You know, it's, it's such a, like we talked about where the deer came from, you know, we know where the farm that it came from. We know who shot it. We know who, you know, we just know the story of that deer. And I mean, that's, I don't know any of the cows I've ever eaten. You know what I mean? Like at, at, at the very least, I, well, I, I shouldn't say that there's been a few that I've, I've known, but, um, I've certainly never had to, to take one's life to put food on the table and doing so with the, the deer is just a, a thing that serves the herd. I mean, I read a statistic the other day. It said one, or I'm sorry, 12 out of every hundred people in the state of Kentucky will hit a deer this year because they're so overpopulated because people that in a car mm -hmm, in a car, um, because people have been so misinformed about what hunting is about, about uh, let's just make this statement right now. There are more white tailed deer in North America today than has ever been on record. There are more elk in this country today than there have ever been on record. I don't think that's true of bison because of the, the massive bison kill off, um, back in the 1800s, but they're coming back and most of them are privately owned or on, uh, you know, national forests and, uh, protected, but nevertheless, hunting is the driving force for conservation. The average person who loves animals and screams, you know, don't hunt, don't hunt. How much are they paying the government to, to help manage these animals um, so that there is an overpopulation. Cause I can tell you right now, the state of California pays 750. I'm sorry. The, I don't know what they pay for um, to bring in these people that, that take out predator animals, the mountain lions and stuff, but they don't have mm-hmm. a tag for it. There are hunters that are willing and able and ready to spend their own dollar to go out there and facilitate this effort. I know that if you take a, if you take a wolf in Idaho right now, they are so overpopulated with wolves, they will actually reimburse you on your hunt expenses up to $750. Now, if they turned a tag loose and let people buy them, they wouldn't be reimbursing people $750. You see what I mean? Like the, the person that's arguing for the right of the animal doesn't necessarily look at all the total economic effect, the total devastation that would be if they weren't hunted. Right now, the elk and moose and uh the mule deer populations out West are just getting decimated by these lions and wolves. And it's all on the heels of people being misinformed, miseducated hunting is as, is as fundamental to the circle of human life as breathing. I mean, it is a part of the pie and I love seeing people feel that connection. It's just like when somebody can start a fire for the first time, like when Laura Zara was at Winterstrong and she was teaching everybody the bow drill mm-hmm. and people, and people started the fire, the old fashioned way, like the traditional way people got emotional. People, uh, people understood how hard this fucking thing was, you know, and up until somebody figured out how to do it, you were at the mercy of lightning for your fire. You know, it was, it was literally something that was a commodity that you tried to sustain as long as you could when you found it. So 
it's, it's just an amazing thing to me when people, especially people that don't know anything about it. The most exciting thing that I want to do with people is if they don't understand it, leave the bow, leave the rifle, leave everything at home. Let's go in the woods. Let's set up as if we were going to take an animal and observe. You know, I've sat in a stand four days in a row, seen all kinds of deer, but they don't qualify for the kind of deer that I am hunting, which is a mature deer or mature male deer right now. Because after the rut, then the doe seasons for around here come into effect. Because if you kill a doe pre-rut, you're missing an opportunity to find those mature bucks that'll be chasing that doe. So the way that George operates his properties, he's got almost 50 properties and almost 18,000 acres. So he doesn't do anything with the does until after the rut is over. That way you get maximum uh, breeding as well as maximum, um, you know, the bucks will move the most. The reason that you want to take a mature buck or the reason that I strive to is they've already bred. They've already got their gene pool on the line. They've lived a life they're actually going to run younger bucks off more uh, fertile and vibrant young bucks. They will run them out of there. So it's a service to the herd to do that kind of work. And especially taking does out. Um, if you take a, an elderly doe or, you notice know, a mature doe that's had a few breedings, you're doing them a service because the younger does will have a place to breed. They will have the ability to breed. Um, it's just important, man. I, I really wish people would give it a second thought because the biggest hypocrites in the world are the one that are sitting there. Not only are they, they're saying you can't hunt, but they're eating fucking meat. And most of the time they're eating the worst kind of meat from the worst factory produced farms, like fast food at McDonald's or fast food anywhere. Those people are not going to like a company like stay classy and say, Hey, do you care if we get some really, really well-maintained and organically fed and respectably treated animals for our burgers? No. They're like, Hey, can you inject some saline or some silicone in there and make sure that it fluffs up and looks right? Like they don't give a shit. So that person arguing or trying to tell me that what I do is wrong. Well, fuck them. You know, like it's just ignorance at that point. But if anybody is willing to have a conversation about it and really look at how we wouldn't be here without hunting period. Um, and I'm not trying to make it like the be all end all, but I really do think that when you get the opportunity to just sit in the woods, observe those deer, be in a position to take your shot or just watch, I think you are going to have a connection point similar to the way that I did when I made fire with a bow. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I've never hunted and, and I don't have, I don't, I don't research as much, um, about it or, or feel as strongly about it as you and other hunters or conservationists do. But I always think about how difficult, like me myself, if I was out in the woods, very primitive, trying to survive, even if I had all these skills to survive in the wilderness in a primitive manner without harvesting or killing using any type of live animals for sustenance it would be very hard and i think i would just go hungry and end up just dying um because you know i've heard you and other people say we live in a a world of, of convenience where plant-based diets purely plant-based diets are achievable because of the convenience of the the the, the society at the moment mm -hmm. so um but yeah that <laughs> i don't know where i was going oh it's all right well i mean we've talked for about an hour man and i just um like i said i want to work on uh, getting down to louisiana with you but if not I think um, the timeline for what you're talking about would be perfect to come up here. I've already looked at, um, I've already talked to George about it a little bit, but I've looked at some flights and they're not bad. And I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to bring you up here and just have you sharing that. Cause it's something we do a big friends giving up here. And um, you know, not that not you'd have to be a part of that, but just the guys that come out and we hunt and we just, you never have a bad time in hunt camp or I haven't, and especially up there at salt river. So we'll figure it out, man. What you got going on the rest of the day? 
Um, have a parent-teacher conference. It was supposed to be earlier this morning, and when I emailed the teacher, they're like, "Well, we emailed on Friday, and that time slot was taken." I was like, "Yeah, it was taken by me, the father." <laughs> <laughs> so we had to reschedule it. Uh, so I've got that going on. Um, Jules has gymnastics later on, and I've got training. Um, to do but that's pretty much what i've got going the rest of the day uh i started reading uh yesterday i started reading gates of fire so i'm probably oh. gonna get some some chapters in of that dude that is that is increasingly one of my favorite books i'm actually looking at it right now it's under my uh it's under my journal i always keep it close by because it's just a collection of powerful quotes i mean every two pages if you open that book and you look at two pages you will find a quote that gets this like reaches out and punches you in the face pressfield's amazing for that so i hope you enjoy that book man yeah i'm enjoying it so far um i don't know too much of like greece history or, or any of that so mm-hmm. sometimes i get confused um there's a lot of names and a lot of regions (laughs) yeah so i get confused whether it's a region or if it's a person (laughs) right (laughs) yeah just remember it's it's basically the story of um it's basically the story of 300 so you know it'll it'll parallel that pretty close if you get lost just refer back to the movie and and it'll circle you back (laughs) yeah and i think I, i think what i was realizing is me having knowledge of 300 through the movie and the graphic novel kind of is a hindrance a little yeah. bit because I'm trying to pinpoint where in that story this is going. And I don't think the beginning chapters um, where the guy is talking, he's reading to Xerxes mm-hmm. or he's not reading to Xerxes. He's, he's speaking to Xerxes. I don't think that was part of 300. So Well, I think you're going to love it. I think uh, I think we're going to have some fun in the woods this year. We're going to at least get out there and just watch some deer. If not, uh, you can watch me shoot one, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, I just want to say again, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I always enjoy catching up with you. Sorry it, it took a couple of reschedules to get this done. But uh, we're going to have some fun this year and on to bigger and better things, too. So thank you for the time today, Brandon. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on again. And I always appreciate talking and enjoy talking with you. Absolutely, man. I look forward to the next one. Definitely. All right, brother. Take care. Have a good day. All right. Love you. Love you too, man. See you. Bye.